0: You're listening to Get to Know World of Warships, a podcast created by Bogsy and Sin Oh, Aw, shucky-ducky.
1: Well, hey everybody. I'm back. I went to Florida for a week, and then I streamed a whole bunch of stuff, and I didn't record any podcast for like two weeks. I'm sorry. Um, I'd feel bad about it, but I don't have any feelings, so... So there. So, ha ha. ha. Anyway, happy Halloween, everybody. I think it was yesterday, because today, I think, is the first... Probably means I need to pay rent. But anyway, so let's go over what's new. I'm a CC now. That's awesome. That means that I can give out codes as soon as I start getting them, which should be in a few days, on my stream for CC containers, for CC camos, what have you. That's awesome. I have a couple things for you today. I have uh, a guest who responded to the Take a Historical Ship and let's talk about how it could be implemented in the game. His name is Pac Manley. He'll be here in just a second. And then I'm going to be talking with uh, Penetration Nation, Clan PN. And uh, that's going to be great. Uh, as my old favorite late night talk show hosts always say, we got a great show for you tonight. Meow, 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 meow. Uh, next coming up is also WMI, Worship Masters Invitational. So it's going to be November 22nd. Uh, that's hosted by Gaishu and Friends. And that will be November 22nd. It's internationals this time. So the top four clan battle teams uh, from season nine, I believe, will be competing against the top four from the other three servers. I will be calling that along with my co-caster, Ascons. If you guys want to watch that, please come check out one of our streams. We, uh, I think we do a pretty good job of uh, doing play-by-play commentary while still being able to see the entire map so you guys can see what's going on. Uh, we did it for COTS and COTS Internationals. It was great fun. We got a lot of good feedback from it. So please consider coming to check us out for that. And let me see what else is coming up. Um, oh, I have gotten some requests to start creating YouTube videos for clans who are in Gale or Storm League clans. Uh, yeah, who basically want to know proper clan battle strategy and etiquette. Uh, In the sense of they basically want to get up into Typhoon level. I don't think I could teach someone how to be a Hurricane level player that just comes from skill and practice and experience. But I can certainly give people some information on how to choose ships, how to align strategies and whatnot uh, in terms of clan battles. So I'm going to start doing that mostly for the Gale and Storm League clans that are wanting to progress up a little bit uh, because folks just said, hey, can you help? And so I figured I might as well make videos out of it. So I'll probably be enlisting the help of some friends in making some videos. So keep your eyes out for that as well. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and I'll switch over to Pac-Manly. Please, everybody, welcome my first guest. This is pac Manley. pac Manley has very kindly responded to the many times that Sinpax and I asked you folks to send us your ideas for ships that are historical and are not in the game, that you think should be in the game. And Pac Manley responded, and his choice was the Alan M. Sumner class. So, Pac Manley, hello, how are you? Pretty good, yourself? I'm doing just great, man, thank you for asking. So, why is it exactly that you want to see the Alan M. Sumner class in the game?
0: So, um... One of the things that people like about this game is the naval history and stuff like that. And uh, my dad actually served in the Navy. So when I got back into this game a couple of months ago, I, I gave him a call and I asked him what, uh, what ships he served on. And one of the ships that he served on was the USS Compton. Mm-hmm. So I Googled it found the Wikipedia page and found that the USS Compton was an Allen M. Sumner-class destroyer. So then I looked into what that was. It was the uh, successor to the Fletcher class. And um, and the predecessor to the
1: gearing class, th- right?
0: Yes, the predecessor to the gearing class. And in fact, it, their designs are almost identical. All they did to change it for the gearing class was they extended the ship in the middle of it by 14 feet to give it more uh, fuel storage for a longer operational range. But other than that, they're pretty much identical. I
1: see. So I I looked into this, obviously, knowing that you're coming on. And um, it turns out that by the time the Allen m Sumner-class destroyers were starting to come into service in about 1943, 1944, the U.S. fleet sort of realized that the Japanese fleet was not really going to be that much of an engagement threat, and the bigger threat was Japanese airplanes. So at a certain point, they uh, ended up taking out one of the uh, five-tube torpedo launchers because, just like the Gearing and the Fletcher had had, a pair of five-tube torpedo launchers. So they ended up taking out one of them and replacing it with even more DACA DACA, uh, another like quad 40 millimeter Orlikan, I think is what it was, to just increase the uh, close and mid-range anti-aircraft defense systems. Because they just went, well, we're not really seeing surface engagements, we're certainly not seeing battleships, so why have all these torpedoes? The better thing to do is just load it up with more AA. So um, I mean, was there, I'm just kind of curious before we move on to where this ship fits in, you know, would fit in, a, uh, into world of warships. Was there anything specific beyond, you know, the fact that very cool, your, your dad was on one of these Sumner class destroyers. Was there anything about it that you just sort of like got you excited?
0: Uh, well, as a matter of fact, what, um, once I learned that the, um, gearing is just a longer LNM Sumner class, I actually got to, uh, Screen share the game with him and look over the the details of oh, the no gearing kidding. and yeah and and he had a lot of fun going over like oh by by you know by Vietnam we didn't have all those AA mounts or any of the torpedo tubes we just had the the five inch guns and oh that lifeboat was the one that I was in charge of and wow. stuff like that That's it, great. that was a lot of fun.
1: That's great. What a fun thing that, and you got to share that with your dad. That's such a neat thing to, you know, to sort of, hey, I play this game and it's got this ship, you know, and your dad to just sort of be able to be like, oh yeah, I can, I can actually, you know, I can reference that a bit. That's really neat. Well, so, um, so the Sumner class, obviously, uh, the Sumner class obviously traded out after its initial run, it ended up trading out some of its torpedo uh, power for extra AA. Now, to me just out of the gate that reminds me of the USS kid it reminds me of the kid which is in game now which is a tier 8 american destroyer i think it's basically a tier 8 fletcher and they removed one of the torpedo tubes and essentially added more aa onto it so if this were to be implemented into the game you know obviously if a fletcher is at tier 8 in the form of the kid and at tier 9 in the form of the fletcher do you feel like this should be a tier 9 uh, or a tier 10 sort of destroyer i mean what
0: you, so, your idea? yeah so so my thinking is that it could they they could if they wanted to go for the historical the the most historically significant one they could go with the uss laffy which was apparently known as um the ship that would not die is that it, right uh, It fought at both D-Day and in the Pacific. And uh, when in the Pacific, it survived four bombs, six kamikaze crashes, and Mm -hmm. strafing fire that killed 32 and wounded 71. Wow. Um, So if they were going to go that route, they could make it a tier 10 uh, U.S. destroyer. Maybe because it's shorter, maybe make it a little more maneuverable or something like that. Sure, yeah. But... Um, in fact, a lot of the L M Sumner class destroyers were at uh, were sold to countries in South America. So that could, if they ever decided to add a uh, South America destroyer line, oh. it could maybe be the the tier ten of that. That's you a know, really maybe... really
1: good idea, actually, and I can actually see them doing that. That's great.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, it would be cool if they, if they went with the, the Compton, which um, became the, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but the <laughs> Mato Grosso, okay, which was uh, sold to Brazil.
1: Oh, that's probably Portuguese then. And I always think of Portuguese as yeah. drunk, drunk Spanish. I can speak Spanish decently well, but like when I hear Portuguese, it sounds sort of like Spanish, but if someone were drunk and slurring their words, sorry to any, uh, <laughs> brazilians or portuguese Anyone who speaks portuguese out there my apologies but that's what it sounds like to me i i love that i love your idea of if they were to finally put in um sort of like the pan-asian or the pan-european uh line that a ship like this would make you know it's basically made up of imports um a ship like this would make a great tier 9 or 10 in the sense that you know it's historical it's real and it has some precedent for being you know the ship that would not die—if it was the uh, USS Laffey, for example—if that was a a premium, or even just the, you know, if that was the final one in the line,
0: you know, uh, a destroyer, a short, well, relatively the, the Luffy, destroyer, the sort Luffy, of like a daring. The Laffey itself actually wasn't sold to South America. It's actually the only remaining. Um, oh, I see. Sumner Sumner class. It's actually a um, museum ship in South Carolina.
1: Oh yes, that's right. I did see that. That it actually it's uh it's still alive. It's out there in um uh yeah Charleston Charleston, South Carolina, at Patriots Point. Uh if anybody happens to live in that area, the USS Laffey is actually there. So Well that's great. I this is so this worked out so much better than I expected when Sitbacks and I were like, Hey, let's bring someone on and talk about a ship they wanted to see. I always wanted to see the uh, the HMS Repulse or the Renown, the two British battlecruisers that um, well, they were World War One era battlecruisers that, you know, essentially like a a lightly, a more lightly armored, skinnier, undergunned uh, Queen Elizabeth class that was faster. I thought that would be really cool, but this is fantastic. USS Laffey and the Allen M. Sumner class, I could see yeah, they could work for a, pan, uh, a Pan-American ship line in the, just the Sumner class if they had a couple or even have a premium like the USS Laffey at eight or nine. I think that would work really well in the being sort of like a kid in the sense that these got extra AA at the cost of torpedoes and Yeah, you know, you don't want to make a carbon copy of the kid, obviously, even though it's an awesome destroyer, but I can see that. No, I mean that's why
0: I was that's why I was thinking it would be better at tier ten simply because it is identical to a gearing in most respects.
1: Yeah. Very similar to a gearing. I'm sure they'd come up with something to make it a little bit different. Yeah. But,
0: uh, well,
1: that's lovely. I This was great. Thank you so much for uh, coming, Pac-Manly, and for actually taking the time to to respond and uh, to coordinate you coming on with me. I, it's been an absolute
0: pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Great. Thanks for
1: having me. My pleasure. Well, well I'm going to go ahead and move on. I have, uh, coming up here, I have P.N., Clan PN is going to join me, so uh, we're going to say thank you to Peck Manley for bringing the Alan M. Sumner class, and specifically the USS Laffey and Compton to our attention. And uh, anybody else, by the way, if you uh, if you do want to see another real-life ship in the game, and you think you've got a good candidate for it, uh, please, you can, at this point, you can send me a PM in Discord. Um, the, the podcast email, I do still check it, but it's a little more irregularly, so... Um, you are welcome to leave a comment underneath in, on the uh, YouTube version of the podcast. It's on my uh, YouTube channel, which is Bogsy Time Gaming. You can drop it in the comments on this episode, and I'll uh, get around to looking at it and see if I can't reach out to you and get it. So thank you again, Peck Manley. We'll move on to talk with P.N., okay? No problem. Have a nice one. You too, buddy. Thank you very much to Pac Manley for joining me there. Now, I have very special guests in the form of Clan PN. And uh, the two gentlemen joining me are uh, Gaga Ga, or 6A6A6A, 6A. <laughs> here to forever known as Adam, I believe. Uh, also known as Cheeky Turkey. He's a greedy, greedy turkey with all of his names. And uh, it's a game <laughs> thing as well. So, gentlemen, hello and how are you? Good. Thank you for having us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you are most welcome. So, I'm really excited to have you guys on because PN has uh ever since I've been in TNG for for coming up on a year now, PN has always been I felt like one of our chief rivals in the sense that you guys are always a high typhoon hurricane level clan. You guys are always facing us when we're making that push into hurricane. You guys are always formidable opponents. And uh, at the same time, you guys always seem to have a good sense of humor about yourselves, uh, which we try to do as well. So I'm excited to have you here. And if I if I may start with uh, with A or Adam, can you guys just give me like a little quick overview of uh, when PN formed, and you know, sort of where you're at now in terms of competitiveness, and, and you know, how you got there?
2: Ah, uh, sure. I, um, so this is quite a long story actually. So Back when clans were first made, I proposed the idea to make a clan to some friends. We made a clan called FML. And back in high school, I took a break. And during that time, the clan split in half. And we formed, so there's there two clans now, there's FML and Oprah. And there's a bit of a disconnect between like the leadership and the competitive team. So the competitive team went to the other clan. And then about a year after that, got a bit more into the game we decided to merge back and form pn and i wasn't actually the leader back then or anything i was just exo and turns out i was the best guy for the job Uh, probably not but (laughs) yeah we formed pn and we decided to become much more focused and competitive
1: um and uh when did the i mean I don't know how many of these are actually affiliated with you, but I assume they are. So PN stands for Penetration Nation, obviously. But there are multiple, uh, I don't know what to call them, spill-off clans or sub-clans or extended clan. Uh, There's OPN, there's DPN, and there's XPN. Are they all affiliated with you guys?
2: Yes. I guess I'll correct you on that. OPN is not affiliated with us. Okay. We have three clans we have xpn which is our other competitive clan Mm -hmm. dpn which is our semi-competitive clan and spn which is our like retirement home um so the way it works is well the way we came across these clans mm -hmm. okay the way we came across these clans was um we felt like we needed a way to because when we merged we had different levels of skill as you do, but there was a huge difference between the bottom half and the top half, so we felt like making two clans to make everyone feel more satisfied was appropriate, so we...
3: So with PN being our main competitive branch, we felt that there was a, a strong difference between the top half of the clan and the bottom half of the clan as far as the ability to compete and maintain high level of competition. Um, So we wanted to be able to have a different group that was still within our same community that was able to provide that same kind of feeling of competition. So they ended up finding a different clan that formed into OPN at the time. Uh, OPN's was a self-sufficient clan that they took a lot of average and good players and they taught them the competitive aspects of the game. And if they were felt confident enough and they were performing well enough, they were able to move up into the main branch of PN. Mm -hmm. Um, if they, they could obviously stay in OPN if they wanted to. And then we had DPN at the time, which like Adam said is our casual and just casual comp clan. And those players, they just get on to have a good time, um, more recently, they've kind of restructured and they're looking to become more of a competitive group. Then SPN is, like he said, our retirement home, and it stands for Social PN. Sure, yeah. Um, like he did touch on briefly, though, before, OPN is no longer affiliated with the Penetration Nation family at all.
1: But they were they at had, some
3: point, right? Yes. Yeah, so okay. we had a fallout prior to uh, the Tier Six clan battle season, and we ended up separating from them due to some external factors. Okay. Um, and they were replaced with the clan called XPN. XPN's first season was the past season at Tier 6. So, as a brand new clan, they fell on Typhoon. And the purpose of XPN is similar to what OPN was. We have good and above average players that go in there that maybe don't have the experience in the competitive nature of the game. They go in there to learn that and get the skill set that it takes to move into the more competitive side of things. Sure. And they can either move up into PN's main branch or they can uh, stay there if they feel it's a better fit for them.
1: Yeah, you know that sounds almost exactly like uh, what TNG has become. Obviously, folks sort of might remember that we had a little bit of a shakeup after the uh, at the end of the Tier Six Clan Battle season. We lost some of our players, and then Sinpak stepped away from the game himself and. We had to sort of reorganize ourselves, so we ended up making TNG the main competitive clan, and then TNG two was sort of our our rejuvenation clan, where we put the folks who uh, maybe don't have that experience yet in competitive, but are still capable players. And right now, they're um, you know they're organizing themselves extraordinarily well into you know a competitive clan. In fact, they just broke into Typhoon themselves. So it sounds like XPN and TNG two are essentially kind of doing the same thing in the sense of these are skilled players who maybe just don't have the same number of seasons under their belt yet, but they're starting to lock down and figure out how to do it pretty well pretty quickly. Would you say that's about right? Yes, I would. Good. Hello, Adam. Welcome back.
2: The crashed.
1: Oh, man, he sounds he sounds so far away. <laughs> did, a, did a dingo eat your Ethernet cable?
2: <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: He's like, that's not funny, man. That actually happened to a back in the 90s. we don't joke about that in the down under mate sorry any excuse to do an impression it's uh it's a sickness i have so so pn has has been for a long time what i would consider to be tng's main rival in the most important aspect of this game which is clearly clan brawls clan brawls being the most competitive the most prestigious aspect of this game tng as you know are uh, multi-time world clan brawl champions And uh, I have a a medal, actually, that hangs on my mirror in my bathroom. So when I'm putting my contacts in in the morning, the first thing I see is TNG Clan Brawl Champions. But I have to say that the people that give us the biggest run for our money is always PN. Now, how exactly do you guys... What what do you guys do when, when, when it comes along? Is just everyone down to run as many teams as possible? Or... I mean, I know what we do. We stack TNG with as many people. We we fill up to fifty, and then we make sure that everyone who's in TNG is going to be playing that night. So we field the most number of teams possible. What do you guys do?
2: Um. Well, we actually adopted quite a lot of. I think we adopted a technique from TNG. So we did. We do the transfer thing. So you take everyone out of OPN or, or yeah. XPN now. So um, and then as the night progresses, people who said they can't be there don't show up. We remove them from the port. We add more people in. We get just get as many teams running. It doesn't yeah. matter how well they play. Just get them going. I mean, effectively, we're just two clans running in one port. Right.
1: Because uh, with it, clan brawls, it doesn't ahead. really matter how many losses you have. The only thing that matters is how many wins you get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Uh, it gets annoying facing 07 and not winning <laughs> at all. But yeah, I uh, think uh, I don't think they're doing them anymore, which is disappointing. But I don't think we'll be transferring people if they do again, because it requires so much organization it to really like does. this person will be available this time, this person stops being available this time, and you have to kick them and Instead of actually playing, you spend the most time just sorting through people, and like I just want to enjoy the game. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it's uh, it I I always thought the best aspect of the Clan Brawl was mainly as like a fun community building exercise for the clan, where everyone comes together on one night to do one specific thing for you know whatever it is like a couple hours or, you know, and it sort of becomes this fun little, you know, intra-competitive thing where. You know the teams playing are sort of competing to see who can get the best record and all that it's just a fun thing to do to keep people engaged but uh fun and engaging name of the game right yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh let's see let's let's talk let's let's touch briefly on um a little bit about pn's competitive competitive history before we take a break and i have you guys sink a ship because we're coming right up to that point where we should do that so Um, you guys mentioned to me beforehand that PN hasn't really even been around as a competitive clan for that long right? Did I misunderstand you?
2: Uh, Been around about a year and a half I think at this point Mm -hmm. not too long especially compared to the top tier clans anyway um, yeah I think so we were looking at it recently and I think 80% 80% of our clan is, like, brand new uh, within the last six months. Wow. COVID, uh, COVID clan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... Okay, this, this would sound bad. I don't want COVID to end, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said it. He said it, you guys. You can hold him to it. He doesn't want COVID to end.
2: I think David can add more to this than I can.
1: Yeah, so...
3: Like Adam said, roughly 80% of our claim is six months or newer. Um, I can say I am just outside of that six-month cusp. I joined just the beginning of this year. Um, when I joined, PN was, I mean, we were a typhoon team. We were a really competitive typhoon team when we were consistently performing at that same level. Um, it took two seasons since I've been here. And it was unfortunately the, uh, the, the Tier 6 season that doesn't really count for much was Pian's <laughs> first season breaking into Hurricane. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's kind of set that expectation now of, okay, we've made it once. we made it during a season that a lot of people consider wasn't worth it because it was the season that, one, it wasn't the Tier 10 season that we traditionally have. And two, it was during a season where a lot of these top-tier clans, they had initially said that they were boycotting because yep. of CVs and then they kind of broke back into it in the late the second half of the season so i think not only do we owe it to ourselves but we're still kind of trying to show the community like we're a legitimate hurricane clan yeah and i think that just comes with being a newer the newer kids on the block
1: well when this uh certainly when this uh We'll, we'll, let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk about how you guys are finding this clan battle season. I'd love to hear your input. Um, but first, let's take a, a quick break so I can go to one of my clearly not satirical and obviously very, very serious advertisements. But um, before we do that, I'm going to ask you both to uh, play Sink a Ship with me. So let's just imagine uh, that for a moment, one of the ships in the game is... Uh, its, its personal file that contains all of its information is... Uh, is up on the screen and then a lightning bolt strikes whatever house that it's in it completely wipes that ship out of the game and off the map i'm going to ask each one of you to decide in your mind right now which ship that would be for you for any reason i don't care and we will find out what penetration nation wants to sink shortly after this when we come back on get to know world of warships And now, a word from our seasonal sponsors. Spooky, scary skeletons and shudders in your spine Screaming skulls we check you Feel your doom to net Spooky, scary skeletons Speak with such a screech You'll shake and shudder in the prime You found your streak And we're back! I'm talking with Oh, what the hell do I call you, Adam? Ga Six A. Six A. Six A. Cheeky turkey. Whatever. Leader of PN Penetration Nation. Six A. Adam. I think we're calling him today, and it's a game thing. I've asked these fine gentlemen to please sink a ship. We're gonna start with you, Adam. What's it gonna be?
2: Um, it's got to be the FDR. For all the counterplay there is against carriers, this has even less counterplay.
1: <laughs> you you want to sink you want to sink an aircraft carrier that's in a wheelchair? You are a heinous individual. You know that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh why why yeah, is that?
1: You said it doesn't have counterplay. What specifically what why do you want to take this ship out of the game?
2: I mean there's uh it just AA doesn't do anything against its planes. <laughs> Unless yeah, there's like there's no situation. Unless they fly into flak, but if they have any skill, they won't fly into the flak that often, at least. Those are chonky uh, planes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, like 40,000 AA damage, and you get like one plane shot
1: <laughs> <joy> damage. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Incredible Hulk in a CV. Well, it's a game thing. What about you? What's it going to be?
3: I'm sticking with everybody's favorite class, and
1: it's going to be the MVR for me. Jesus, I'm noticing a pattern between you two. What do you guys got against fly, flying shooty boats, huh? Well,
3: for me, it just it takes the fun out of clan battles. I mean, that's the primary reason that I play this game, and it's why I enjoy COTS so much more than I do the traditional clan battle season. Sure. I have a hard time playing against a class that I can uh, do absolutely nothing against, and it'll drop me for 26k with its wonderful AP bombers.
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah, so these are the two... (laughs) This is a great segue um, into the fact that these are the two aircraft carriers that seem to be the most dominant here in clan battle season 11. Now, we saw in Clan Battle Season 9, the last Tier 10 season that had CVs, we saw the Hakuryu was actually the most, well, it was the most effective, generally speaking, uh, ship out there. It could drop cruisers, mainly the Stalingrad, for, I think it was 25-5 20, was the, the number that got bandied around if you hit all three bombs uh, Citadel. So that sort of dominated the meta. I noticed in High Hurricane in Season 9 that sometimes people would be running the midway just to basically the midway was better at dealing with Venezia's and still decent at dealing with Stalingrad's. So those two were an option, but they seem to be have been completely replaced in this season of Clan Battle, season 11 by the Manfred von Richthofen or the Franklin Delano Roosevelt, both of which you two gentlemen decided to sink. So let's talk a little bit about Clan Battle season 11. This is the season of the Petro and the Petro and the MVR basically. And uh, I kind of want to know how you guys you know where you're at, how you guys are finding it, what you're uh, liking about it, if anything, what you're not liking about it, if anything. give me a you know, just give me a give me a short blurb on on how you're feeling about it.
2: Um well, Petro is a very interesting ship. And i don't I don't think uh, Wargaming understands that the issue is not the concealment anymore, it's more the, uh, the fact that it's two pixels tall, but um, yeah, it feels very ineffective, but it's also required this season for competitive, and it's not that enjoyable to play, I'd rather play Stalingrad so we can actually punish people, literally anything else. <laughs> um, Okay, so that's yeah. an interesting
1: distinction. Um, for, for anyone who's listening who maybe doesn't quite know the finer uh, differences between the Petro and the Stalingrad, the they're both Tier ten Russian supercruisers. They both have a very similar armor scheme, except that the, the Petropavlovsk sits really, really low in the water, which means that its Citadel belt, which was one of the Stalingrad's greatest weaknesses, was if you get its side and you can punish it with AP, it goes down relatively quickly. Uh, the Petropavlovsk is so much harder to citadel from the side. Uh, and the the thing that it essentially trades off for that is hit points, for one. But also, its shells, its, its gunnery accuracy at long range, is far less accurate at long range. The Stalingrad has basically like laser-guided missiles and can hit accurately and hard at 23.6 kilometers maximum whereas the, the Petro really can't accurately shoot beyond 14, 15, 16 kilometers. So it just doesn't punish people quite the same way that Stalingrads do. But it also doesn't get punished the same way that Stalingrads do. So, I mean, you know, Adam, and then in Game Thing, do you guys mind just sort of, what do you feel like is, um, which, which ones did you prefer? I found the Stalingrads very oppressive, but what do you guys prefer? Do you think the Petro, the Petro meta is better than the Stali meta?
3: I would enjoy the Petro meta if CVs weren't here, just because of the change of pace. I mean, Stalingrad was pretty stagnant. Everybody knew what you are going to do. It was pretty Russian curtain style. Everybody takes a line, you push it up and call it a day. Uh, I think Petro kind of adds a different diverse aspect where it can provide a few different roles. And up until the, the recent concealment nerf, I mean, the radar is really effective in that aspect.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. What about you, Adam?
2: Um. Well, yeah, I kind of agree with David, but as the person playing a Petro, I've it's just annoying. It feels like tier six kind of where you shoot things and you don't punish them because poor dispersion, and usually shooting other Petros, so it's even worse <laughs> amplified. Uh, and then, and then getting back to the CV thing. They nerfed the Hikiru AP bombs, I, and they didn't nerf the MVR AP bombs at all, and it just feels exactly feels. <laughs> I don't know. It feels questionable when feels you. Feels bad, have man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to describe that. That's okay.
1: It's it okay. It just doesn't, so, feel
2: <laughs> doesn't feel fun and engaging.
1: Doesn't feel fun and engaging. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, the MVR it seems like was the counter to the Stalingrad. The Hakuryu did for sure, but it was pretty much limited to its AP dive bombs in that regard. The torpedoes were good as well, but the rockets were only, you know, semi-decent. The MVR can just absolutely obliterate battleships and heavy cruisers with uh, its AP dive bombs, and it's got the AP rockets, which punish Moskvas and Stalingrads so hard, um, being that they can't really turn very well because they're big and fat and slow. So, yeah, I mean, that... That's another reason to not take it, but it's really difficult for the MVR to actually AP Citadel with uh, rockets. The Petro, because the Petro sits so low in the water, uh, combined with a very low detection rate, the Petro, the Petro feels a little. When you said it feels tier sixy, it reminds me a little bit of the Graf Spee, in the sense that it's pretty tanky, it's pretty well armored, but it's really kind of inaccurate. So it just it just ends up being this like sort of like shotgun slugfest and i don't know if i like that or not i'm pretty sure i'm leaning towards not liking it but stop me if i'm wrong it sounds like that's what you guys are kind of getting at there yes yeah, yeah. all right all right well let's talk uh let's talk briefly about cots real quick because uh i have sort of you, you mentioned cots and that you liked the the style of that so how did you guys feel about the ship bands um i myself for example didn't know that the other servers, when I was casting for North America and then on to Internationals, I didn't know the other servers didn't use ship bands. Um, and I think it really showed in their comps at the end of the day. So um, what, do you, what do you guys think? Did you get to see any of the Internationals? How did COTS how did feel for you guys? And how'd you feel about the ship bands? All those questions. Answer them all. Game thing, let's start with you.
3: Personally, I very much enjoyed having the ship bands. I thought I introduced a... Very interesting aspect of everyone having to kind of be on their feet and having to have that ability to adjust their comps. I know when we were playing a few select clans, we would make certain ship bans based on their players and based on our homework of knowing what they ran. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. I know we had banned a Minotaur at one point, and that completely benched someone's player, and they couldn't play against us.
1: Who was that, I wonder?
3: Um, I... Adam, was it Bonks?
2: Um, I, don't, I don't quite remember. <laughs> was it, it might have
3: been
1: Jake from State Farm
3: playing, playing yes, the Minotaur. Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him. you Hear that, Jake? Um,
1: they banned an entire ship just because of you, you filthy degenerate.
3: It wasn't because of him. We banned that and the mode just because we had scrimmed against them earlier on, and we knew in his effective comp against what yeah. we liked to do and how we played. So, And obviously in COTS, it's, it's win or go home for the most part. Yep. So we wanted to perform the best we could. And I, I think for any clan that's looking to get into COTS, it's worth it to do your homework. It's worth it to know what you're going into up front. And it's worth it to know your opponent.
1: Yep. That's excellent. Did you guys, uh, I mean, did you feel like the, the work that you put in paid off at
2: all? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent that paid off. Um, yeah, it was, I Cots, uh, uh, the Cots rules, I think, should be like standard for all the servers. That was a interesting choice. Watching the other thing, other servers like EU server used like like something silly like seven petros once. Yes. And yeah, um, I think we did have a little bit of a, uh, how do I describe this? Drama during cause? Fiasco.
1: Yes, I recall, because I feel like, I think I was, I got involved in that, didn't I? Nice. You know, the
3: second time it happened.
1: Yeah. Well, why don't you describe, I mean, do me a favor and don't, uh, you know, don't name anybody, but just give me, give me, give my audience a little idea of what happened.
3: So a brief rundown of it. We had, our entire comp was completely set. We had everybody ready up in a battle. Um, we, our clan was not in control of the room the first time it occurred. The opposing clan was. They had moved someone onto our roster, and they were able to see our entire complete ship lineup. Now, this wouldn't be a big deal in the big picture, but it was a best-of-three match. It was the third match, so it was literally winner go home for us at that point because it was still in pool play. And like I said, they got to see our entire comp, so they know what we were running before going to the battle. Yes, I get that they don't know how we're going to play it, but that's still a pretty big advantage of knowing what shit you're going up to, beforehand.
1: Had they had they finalized their ship lineup be- before they saw you, or did they get to choose ships after they saw your comp?
3: I think there was a discrepancy. They said that they had readied everything up and not changed everything, and I, I don't know if they did or not. I think as a group, we don't really know. It, it was a big gray area there.
1: I see, and then so that was. That happened twice, basically, where the opponents got to see your lineup before the game started, and uh, you brought it to the attention of the COTS staff, of the COTS volunteers, and uh, I, I, I feel like you guys got a little bit of pushback, uh, which is why I also jumped in and was sort of like, hey, look, I feel like these guys are just saying, they're not asking you to change anything now, because it's sort of water under the bridge, it happened, you're not asking for a mulligan or anything you're not asking for disqualifications you're just saying hey can we please make sure that there's something set up so this doesn't happen again in the future am i right or am i wrong a hundred
3: percent yeah and i feel like a lot of people jumped in i know you were in that discussion and they thought they we were asking for a free win and that was 100 percent not the case no no <laughs> we you a, weren't we just wanted a fair shake we wanted to be a fun game for everybody. And yeah. if there can be a rule that can kind of fix something or at least address that, especially when it's a common issue and it happens more than once, you know, it's going to be an issue down the line.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, COTS is sort of like, it's sort of the grand prize. You know, it's it's the pinnacle of competitiveness for North America, at least. Um, and uh, it's, it's really nice because there are no carriers involved in it. So it's a, a nice relief from clan battles where there are consistently now carriers. Um, I think people put a lot of stock into that, and it's important to keep it as clean as possible and have as few, at least in my opinion, have as few instances where people might question the integrity of whether it's fair or not. And uh, certainly allowing the opposing team to see your lineup twice uh, before you actually enter the game, like it makes you feel like, it just makes you question whether or not it's it's fair. So I don't blame you guys for, for being upset. I do think it's great that you guys sort of took the high road and said, look, we're not asking for a free win. We're not asking for disqualifications. We're just asking you don't let it happen in the future, or at least that you have a, a solution for when it does happen. Here's what happens. You know, you have a contingency for it, right?
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, so there's two, uh, one more thing I want to ask you guys about before we go to poach synpacs. And that is that I noticed you guys have a special channel uh, at the very top of your Discord that is specifically to uh, specifically for mental health. Um, I think that's great uh, because I I sort of have this notion that just about everybody who plays video games a lot generally has some <laughs> sort of social issues, which is why we remove the face-to-face component from our sort of social interactions. Um, so I, I always jump at it when I see folks that, you know, they sort of take a risk in the internet world of being serious about something for a second because we all know it's the internet's a pretty uh, irreverent place. So what made you guys want to throw up a channel specifically dedicated to to mental health?
3: So I guess I'll talk again. Um, So the mental health channel, my short time here in PN, I had more than one person from our community kind of reach out to me and we kind of got more on a personal level and they kind of expressed to me that they're having some hard times at home and a lot of things weren't going their way. So kind of in discussions with them, and then right around the same time frame where I'd gotten a serious message from someone about they didn't know if things were really worth it or not for them anymore. A pretty well-known streamer on Twitch had committed suicide, and they were were no longer with
1: us. Are you Um, talking about Wreckful? I am, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that.
3: So I had kind of talked to a few guys about whether or not they thought it was a good idea to kind of put some resources in place just for those people in our community that feel like they didn't have people to talk to or they weren't comfortable necessarily talking to anyone about anything. And that's when I took that step and talked to everybody and then I put that channel in place. Um, I had, in real life, I'm a social worker. I'll put that out there. Sure. So I just genuinely enjoy helping people and kind of making sure that they're getting everything that they need to succeed in life. And I wanted to give the people in our community that don't necessarily know where to go to get those resources or are afraid to do it, just a quick, easy place to access things where if they need help, they can get it. Or if they feel like they need someone to talk to, like, hey, I've made that first step. I've opened that door. My DMs are open. They can come and talk to me if they need someone to talk to.
1: Yeah. You know, um, as, as someone who's struggled with depression myself, uh, I, I can say that the one of the most Difficult things for someone who's not feeling good uh, in general, or is, is sort of feeling. I like to say it basically. They, they start feeling like there's no hope. Hopeless is is the distinct feeling that I feel like most people are experiencing when they're when they're depressed. It's just sort of this. There's there's no hope left for a better outcome or for a positive change in their future. So, um, one of the most difficult things is actually recognizing that and then saying, "Oh, I need I need to ask for help." Because I feel like oftentimes they're just gonna to think to themselves, "Well, I'm just going to be a burden on somebody, and I don't want. That's the last thing I want is to be a burden." So um, I think it's wonderful that you have taken the initiative in PN uh, and you specifically, Game thing, to set up a channel and then sort of open up and say, "Hey, guys, this is what I do. I'm here to help if you need it, and there's no shame in coming forth and, and mentioning that you know you're not in a good place." So. I wholeheartedly commend you. Uh, it reminds me of, I think maybe the third or fourth podcast we did, which feels like an eternity ago now, where we had uh, the community contributor, Navy CB Pete from Clan NAM, the North American Militia. He uh, He's a veteran, and he also does the same thing where he helps anyone who is willing and wanting to talk. Um, so to both of you, I, I say thank you very much. It's a, it's a good thing that you do. Um, so... If, uh, if we can just wrap this up, guys, I'm going to have Adam go ahead and uh, poach Sinpax. Uh, Adam, Sinpax, left, he left the clan uh, a while ago and he left the game in general. But if he were to come back, do me a favor and let Sinpax know why Penetration Nation would be a good clan for him to join.
2: Um, well, clearly, first thing I'm going to mention is that we are the future clan world champions. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. And... Uh... I mean, that's all I really need to say. Sympax is, is going to hop over immediately. I mean, but, what um, else matters, really, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the pinnacle of competitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think we're a very strong competitive clan. Sim, Simpax is still into that type of stuff. Uh, I'm sure I could uh, get some help with some admin stuff. I'm sure Simpax is great at that stuff he's uh, a very good administrator no yeah question. i think we're, think we're a good uh, contender for top 10 on na now in clan battles at least and uh maybe top 16 in COTS.
1: excellent well so yeah i mean if, if i can if i can just uh Lend my own voice to your pitch there. PN has been a consistently solid clan that improves every every season, in my perspective. Whenever we run up against you guys, we know that we absolutely cannot afford to not play at our 100%. Um, so any, I would I would just recommend that anybody who's looking for a high typhoon hurricane level clan that's just breaking into you know consistently hurricane uh, level play pn is an excellent place to start uh or even end up at because i feel like we're gonna see you guys purple this season and probably in future seasons to come
2: yeah Uh, oh i should also mention we do have a community that welcomes players of a variety of skill um so many people are welcome to join our discord it's open to public as well
1: yep i will include a link to the discord in the description below as always um go check them out check out their mental health channel as well if that's something that you uh feel like could be useful to you um say hi to them in game if you see them and uh other than that gentlemen i think i think that about does it for me it's been an absolute pleasure having you both uh 6a cheeky turkey adam gaga 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 it's a game thing Uh, thanks yeah thank you both (laughs) for coming thanks for
3: Yes, thank you for having us. Really You're welcome.
1: Um, as, as always, uh, the description in the below will contain a link to the PN, Penetration Nation Discord. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Um, oh, uh, also, uh, a, another community contributor is a part of Penetration Nation. You probably know him. His name is In General. I'll include... Uh, we were thinking about trying to grab him, but his schedule didn't quite line up. So I'll include a link to his Twitch stream as well. Go check him out. He's a very nice guy. Fellow Los Angelino, like myself. So... Um, Otherwise, let's see. I'm trying to think if what, what are the other things that I, I threw out there at the beginning of this episode that I'm forgetting already. Um, oh, yes, don't forget that uh, the Warships Masters Invitational Tournament will be coming up on November 22nd. I will be one of the primary casters for that. I'm very grateful to Gaishu for asking me and Askants, my partner, to cast that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be the four best teams from clan battles in North America versus the same on the other regions. It's another international thing. Should be lots of fun. So be sure to check that out. And uh, thank you once again to PN. We'll see you guys all next time. Spooky, scary skeletons, and shivers in your spine. Streaking skills with shucky tools, feel your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons, speak with such a screech, you'll shake and shudder in the surprise.